Very good morning, family. Morning. <clears throat> now, I must say at the start that this week has been a difficult week for me. Uh, believe it or not, my dad was also sent to A&E after Joseph Chien said his dad was warded in the hospital just a week before. <clears throat> Thankfully, my dad's condition, uh, nothing serious, uh, so that's okay there on the front. Then I had some very bad uh, bacterial infection from last week until this week, uh, but thank God for antibiotics, uh, so that's getting better as well. But what made this week toughest for me was when a friendship was put on the line. And so that's made me very tough uh, for me this week. Uh, and uh, incidentally, actually, Pastor Mihi is supposed to preach today. And so we should also pray for her. I know she wouldn't want to make this public, knowing her, but I think we need to keep her in prayer. Uh, she's not well. It's a nerve issue and causing pain and, and uh, numbness for her. So we will pray for her in a short while. And so when I agreed to take over her, her slot, uh, the topic is God as friend. I never expected that my friendship will be tested even as I have to preach a topic on God as friend. So would you please uh, join me in prayer as I seek the Lord's empowerment uh, to preach today's uh, message. We pray for Pastor Mihi as well. Come, let us pray. Oh Lord, I need you. You have been with me this week and you will continue to be with me, Lord. But I especially need you to preach this word. A word definitely in season for me. And I pray that, Lord, you will also be a word in season for many of us. We also want to remember Pastor Mihi as she's recovering at home. The Lord, your healing grace continue to be upon her. Lord, as we just sung this song, you are the miracle worker. So we pray for divine intervention upon her life. We commit ourselves afresh to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We all need friends. Right? We all need friends. Friendship, unfortunately, compared with spousal love or familial love, is often underrated. We often celebrate weddings, anniversaries, we try to celebrate the birthdays of each family member. And sometimes we do celebrate birthdays of friends, but somehow, or at least not for me, it's not something that's always upheld or celebrated with similar passion. Maybe it's different for you. So friendship for me, sometimes it's underrated. Recently, I watched a movie on Netflix called The School of Good and Evil. I think it's still trending. Maybe you can search for it. So the movie is set in the context of fairy tales where the students of the school uh, of the good and evil are trained to be heroes or heroines and villains respectively. And so there is this very distinct uh, black and white line. You either join the school of good or you join the school of evil. That's the plot of this story. And so while it was fun for me to analyze the movie from a very Christian theological point of view, wow, how does this movie uh, you know, juxtaposed towards uh, Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 2 and 3 was tree of good and evil, school of good and evil and stuff like that. But for uh, today's sermon purposes, I won't go into that. What I want to highlight is that in that movie, like most fairy tales, many of these Disney movies, right, they also talk about true love's kiss. And so, true love's kiss was necessary to break the magic or the spell, right? Nothing unfamiliar, very familiar uh, Disney plot. And so, quite predictably, the characters in the movie took true love's kiss to be the usual kiss between a prince and a princess. Ayah, nothing new lah, we cannot expect that. But as the story develops, we learn that at the end of the story, at the end of the movie, and I know most of you probably won't watch the movie, so I don't think I spoil the plot, it's fine lah. True love's kiss was not between lovers, but between friends. That true love's kiss is not between lovers, but between friends. 
And I thought to myself, brilliant. That's true too, right? That friends can love each other genuinely and deeply too. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, in the NET, this version says, There are companions who harm one another, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother or a sister. There is a friend who is closer even than family. An example of such deep friendship in the Old Testament, we're probably familiar with, David and Jonathan. They shared a very deep friendship. And so that's why when friendship was put on the line for me this week, it was something very tough for me too. And I realized this is something that perhaps most of us don't really take time to reflect more deeply. Yes, you know, we grieve at the loss of a family member. <coughs> we grieve the loss of a spouse. And generally, we try to accord each other space for that kind of grieving. But the loss of a friend can also be equally devastating. The loss of a friend can also be very devastating. Although I don't think I see many of my friends pass on yet, but as a pastor, I see Right? And some of us do lose our friends. I see this happening for many of our seniors. And so friendships can be lost through death. Not just through conflicts or neglect, but through death. And so I just want to give a pastoral word of advice here. Not sure who it's going to speak to. Don't ignore the grieving process of losing friends too. Many times we don't think about it. But that's an important aspect of life too. That we need to learn to grieve also the loss of good friends. So thankfully, I found comfort in Scripture and other friends whom the Lord has provided this week. Now first, to be absolutely clear, I wouldn't say this test of friendship for me this week was anything near the level of betrayal. Nothing like that, okay? Not so severe. <clears throat> but I realized that Scripture comforts me because I'm not alone in my experience of when friendship is tested. Just to give you some Scripture references here, Job 19.19 all my intimate friends despise me. That's what Job says. Those I love have turned against me. Again, my situation is nothing like Job's, but Job testifies of his friends turning against him. The psalmist, they often share their pain too. I just give you some references. You can always uh, review this psalm another time, but you don't really need to. You can always Google for yourself. <clears throat> so in all these psalms, the psalmist lament, what happened to my friends? They deserted me and stuff like that. So this is a real common experience. For humanity. So did the prophet Jeremiah. In multiple laments, he was saying his friends have turned against him, his family members, even his whole country has turned against him. And so I find comfort in the scripture that I'm not alone in my experience of the grief or the loss of friendship. Secondly, I see a God who also experienced the same loss of friendship. And so it isn't just a human level experience, but God himself experienced this. Jesus felt abandoned by his friends too, not once, but at least three times. John chapter 6, many disciples deserted Jesus and Jesus asked his closest, are you going to leave too? We tend to read the Bible, you know, from a very cerebral point of view. But if we learn to immerse ourselves in the story, I think Jesus was lamenting. See, so many disciples have left. Are you going to leave too? And so that he feels the pain there. Matthew chapter 26, 27, as well as Mark 14 and 15, we read the scriptures, we are very familiar with these passion accounts, that basically his disciples, the closest to him, deserted him. In his greatest hour of need, when he was still in the garden of Gethsemane praying, he came back and he found his friends sleeping. Wow, he's going to die already. <laughs> his friends thinking only about themselves. <clears throat> the kind of pain that he experienced, emotional pain, and then in this trial, crucifixion, Peter, we know the familiar story. He denied 
knowing him. Wow! Can you imagine the emotional pain that Jesus himself had to go through? His friends, the closest ones, deserting him. And so I see both in scripture, human experience, as well in Jesus' life, this test of friendship, the loss of friendship, and it's painful. But thankfully in the scriptures as well, I find a God who demonstrates unwavering loyalty and commitment to his friends. I find great comfort in the fact that Jesus is described in the Bible as a friend of sinners. And that tells us that we don't have to shape up first in order to come to God. But yet at the same time, when God comes to us, he will never leave us as we are. He will shape us to become like his image. And that's an advanced publicity for our sermon on 27th of November, God as Potter. Uh, so look out for that. So we can come to Jesus just as we are, but in his great love, Jesus will never leave us as we are. We thank God for that. I preached a sermon some time ago on God's loving loyalty, taken from the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed. And so to demonstrate loyal loyalty is really God's fundamental nature. God can never betray his covenantal people because God in his fundamental nature is always loyal. And that's why maybe being made the image of God, when we lose friends, when we are betrayed, that sense of loyalty is being crushed. And that's why it crushes us too. Thankfully, again, in the scripture, we see that Jesus is our fourth man in the fiery furnace. He's the one who walks with us in the midst of fire. And that's why later on, our song of response, we can sing a very familiar hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Because Jesus is always faithful. Let me do a very quick recap of what we have covered in our Knowing God sermon series so far. We have covered God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that tells us we need to be united in community. God as Shepherd, the one who you know comforts us, walking with us through the valley of shadow and death. God is our rewarder. He's our restorer. He's our one who sends us out as a missional church. And God is our healer. So today, we will cover God as friend. One of the scandals of Christianity is how we Christians <coughs> claim we can call God not just as father, but as friend. As if being called father is not scandalous enough, addressing God as father. But now we dare to call God even as our friend. For many faiths, this line of approach is scandalous, incongruous with Almighty God, the sovereign God. How can we dare to call God our father and our friend? But there are at least two major instances in the Old Testament and one major passage in the New Testament where God himself acknowledges human beings as his friends. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, the passage for today, the Lord will speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. The Lord will speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. Oh, our God, do you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And this passage is picked up in James chapter 2, verse 23. <clears throat> and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. So James echoes what the Old Testament scholars, uh, the author, sorry, said that Abraham is also seen as God's friend. And then in John chapter 15, Jesus tells his disciples, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known 
to you. And so God calls us, his friends. That's why we dare so-called to call God also our friend. One of the greatest <clears throat> accolades I think uh, one can ever have in life is to be known as a friend of God. To be known as a friend of God. I don't think I'm there yet. I think, you know, generally in church teaching, we kind of understand now that we are children of God, right? But few of us dare to at least, uh, you know, move nearer to friendship with God. Hopefully today's sermon will change that paradigm. By God's grace, I, <clears throat> I, people have thanked me for being a good pastor, a faithful servant, or even being a man after God's heart. But I don't recall ever being called a friend of God yet. And no, I'm, I'm not telling you to call me a friend of God. Huh? Please, after this sermon, don't do that. That's not what I'm looking for. Because ultimately, it's not your judgment that counts. It's God's judgment. It's whether God sees me as his friend, not whether you all see me as his friend. <laughs> right? So ultimately, it's God who will decide whether I'm considered his friend or not. But certainly, I don't think I'm there yet, even as a pastor. What I'm pressing on towards is not just to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, I think that's the baseline we should all aim towards. Or here's the crown I reserve for you as in the book of Revelation. These are what's promised to us as believers. But my own personal goal is to be able to hear God say, hey, friend, friend, just as Moses, Abraham were called friends of God. That's a high standard. And that's my own personal goal for myself. There is no higher honor and accolade than that to be known by God as his friend. And so here's the truth that we may not like to hear, but I think we all need to hear. We love to sing the tune, the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But will Jesus be able to sing a similar tune about us? What a friend I have in Anthony. <laughs> or fill in your blank, you know, your name there in the blank. Will God be able to sing that kind of song about us? That's my personal goal and endeavor as a Christian. And so how do we cultivate friendship with God? How can we cultivate friendship with God, not just being a child of God, but being a friend with God? Can we be casual about this? Absolutely not. Yes, we can be casual with friends, but when it comes to cultivating friendship with God, we cannot be casual about it. We must be absolutely determined to grow in friendship with God. So how do we do that? First, we must determine to walk in the same direction. In the ways of God. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? It's true, right? Just think back on your own friendships. You are friends with people because you either have the same interests, same values, or you share common life experiences. You are walking the same path. Even for a season and time, that's fine, but it is the same direction for a while. So two people must agree to walk in the same direction before they can be friends. And so similarly, we cannot claim Jesus as our friend if we are not walking in the same direction as him. And God's way is the way of holiness, purity, righteousness, truth, and grace. We all know these values. James chapter 4 verse 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. There's no middle ground here. You are either walking towards God in the ways of God or you're walking away from God in the ways of the world. And then we become enemies of God. And so to cultivate friendship with God, the very first thing we need to do is to continually choose. I say continually, eh? not just once off, but continually choose to turn away from the way of sin, evil and wickedness through a lifestyle of repentance 
and choose to walk in newness of life. Repentance is not just that moment when you say the sinner's prayer. No, that's only one moment. We have to constantly repent because there are issues in our lives that crop up. New issues, new issues of sin that God reveals. We need to repent and then come back to the ways of God. So repentance really is repeatedly returning to the ways of God whenever we fall and transgress the laws of God. So that's a lifestyle of repentance. Second, we have to learn obedience. Obedience to the will of God the Father. Just as Jesus fully obeyed the will of the Father, we need to learn obedience. Psalm 119 verse 63, I am a friend, the psalmist says, to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. And so we are kind of spiritual friends too. If all of us fear God together, we all obey God together, we are spiritual friends, but we want to obey God. Joseph Chen said in the sermon that Christianity is not about us, it's not about what, you know, Get what we can get or you know what we need. If Christianity is all about getting what we want, then we are just coming to God with a pagan mindset. We cannot just come to God and acknowledge Him as Savior, but not Lord. And that's the mistake I think many of us make. We just want God as our Savior, but we don't want Him as Lord. We say, Ah yeah, I am just a Christian. Let the rest be disciples. There's this two-level separation, and that's false. It shouldn't be that at all. At the start of this sermon uh, series, Knowing God, I shared that from the Matthew chapter 7 passage, even if you call Jesus Lord, Lord, He didn't even guarantee them salvation. What's more, if you don't even call Jesus Lord, we just want Him to be our Savior, but we don't even want to acknowledge Him as Lord. And so back to the John 15 passage, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. If you do what I command. There's a conditional clause there. And then Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. A servant merely receives the command, go and do this, go and do that, but does not capture the heart of the master. Bill Johnson says this, we can't go in friendship with God where we haven't been in lordship. We can't go in friendship with God where we haven't been in his lordship. God is our friend, yes, but He is our Lord first and foremost. Surrender and trust in His goodness are the key ingredients to this relational journey that we are privileged to be invited into. To put it differently, the classic chorus goes this way, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Oh, gospel truth, but so correct. Profoundly true, but correct. So we need to learn obedience. Besides walking in God's ways, it's to obey the will of God. Third, as with all relationships, deepening friendships with God requires time. To spend time with the Lord. To keep watch with God. To keep watch with God. We all know that deep friendships are forged through time and friends confide in each other. But how can we confide in someone else if you don't set aside time to listen, right? Before you can even confide, you must make time to be there, to listen. And if we are going to just do five-minute devotional, take out my daily bread, once a week, open, finish, five minutes, check off our duty list, uh, ease our conscience. Uh, that's not going to help us very much, especially if you're coming to God with a consumer mindset. What can I get from God's Word today? What can I get from God today? Worse still, if all you do to cultivate friendship with God is just sitting to listen to the pastor preach. (laughs) 
It's like listening to the description of a person, but you never get to know the person for yourself. And so again, my prayer for all of us, we will grow in our personal relationship with God, making time to hear God. One of my all-time favorite Bible verses is Amos 3, verse 7. For the Lord does nothing without revealing His secret to His servants, the prophets. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His plan to His servants, the prophets. And Abraham, as we have seen, is the classic example of one in whom the Lord confided in, revealed His secret before He took action. Before God decided to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, the scriptures tell us in Genesis 18 verse 17, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? You see the Lord's heart? He wants to confide. He does not want to destroy. His nature is full of grace and mercy first. But at the end of the day, if they keep sinning, eventually the hand of justice will come. But his first fundamental core nature is her sad, loving kindness. If they are willing to repent, good. But let me talk to Abraham first because he's troubling God. And Abraham is his friend. So God also wants to share and bear his heart. Who among us will make time to listen to him? To hear the heart of God? It's one thing for us to confide in God. And I want to encourage us to do that, to always tell God anything and everything. But it's really another thing for God to confide in us. Last week's sermon, we are so encouraged that God holds our tears in a bottle. But if God was suffering, who of us, who among us will make time to listen to his heart and cry alongside? God is always the ever-faithful friend. What about us? Will we be be the kind of faithful friend to God? So the first two points are applicable here too. There's no way that God will reveal his secrets or his heart, his plans to us if we are not walking, first of all, in the ways of God. And then secondly, we have developed this habit of always obeying Him as quickly as we can. So without these two first two prerequisites, it's hard to cultivate the point where God will share His heart with us. <clears throat> and so we need to always make time, make time to hear His heart, in confidence especially, so that God you know, can also share His heart with us in confidence. Again, as a pastor, I don't think I dare to say, even as a pastor, I'm a friend of God. I don't think I'm there yet. But I press on towards that goal, not just to be a man after God's heart, but really in one in whom the Lord will share His heart. I want to encourage and challenge all of us to join this holy quest, right? To join the, this holy quest to know God more and to be more fully known by Him. For what is friendship if it is not to know the other person more and to let ourselves be more fully known to the other person? Really, that's the heart of friendship, right? To know the other person more, unconditionally, to accept the person as a friend, and then for ourselves to be open up, to be received just as we are. And so making time to listen to God in prayer is the final and most important way to cultivate friendship with God. There's no shortcut, friends. <laughs> it's about time. It's about spending time with God. As pastor in church, I no longer have so much time to journey and mentor with people one-to-one. And that's sad for me <clears throat> because that's what I want to do in ministry, right? And prayer is one of those things that is best caught rather than taught. You can read a lot of books on prayer, but it's best caught rather than taught. When you spend time one-to-one discipleship, 
and pray together. That's why we grow the most in prayer. Thankfully, there are still certain platforms in our church, and I've been quite intentional about this to provide certain of these platforms. I want to encourage us to utilize these platforms as much as you can to grow and cultivate your friendship with God. By the way, do you know that the early Christians were called followers of the way? And so, again, it's about following the ways of God. And then we are not alone. We are spiritual friends along the way. We are following God together in God's way. And so here are certain platforms in our church for us to grow in friendship with God. <clears throat> First of all, our usual monthly prayer and praise meeting, one and a half hours, Wednesdays, uh, third Wednesdays, 8 p.m. And now we're back on site at Joshua Chapel, right, on level 4. So in Exodus 33, verse 11, again, we come back to the passage for today. The Lord will speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses will return to the camp by his young aide, Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua essentially lingered on in the tent of meeting. And so Joshua Chapel, I think, is a very prophetic name to teach us to linger in the presence of God. If you don't learn how to spend time in the presence of God, and sometimes God says nothing. In fact, many times God says nothing. But that's fine. So that at least we are there when God speaks, we can we are ready to receive. So learn to linger in the presence of God. That's our third Wednesday prayer and praise. If you cannot come physically, we understand. And that's why we have prayer throne. Via Zoom, we understand mobility may be an issue for some of us, or time may be constrained. We provide another platform for you to hear God together with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, a prayer throne. Can I have the slide information, please? All the information will be on the slides. <coughs> right, the next one, the prayer throne. It's every Tuesday, 1 p.m. or Thursday, 8 p.m. If you're working, either day shift or night shift, there is an option. <laughs> right, so it's via Zoom, one hour. Then we also have pre-service prayer. If your whole week is really so busy, you can't even have a bit of time at all, we have Sunday mornings. <laughs> so many opportunities. So pre-service prayer, every Sunday, 20 minutes before each service, it's at Amstutz Hall, just next door. And then we have also now our friends at Hub Ministry. Our worship services here in church, if I may help us better understand, are technically called work. Because we have a liturgy. We have a ritual, we have an order. You know, we follow a sequence, that's a kind of liturgy. And liturgy, this English word, comes from the Greek word liturgia, which describes really the work of the people. And so liturgy comes from the Greek word liturgia, which means the work of the people. Nothing wrong with work, really, right? Because God created work, Adam to work the lamb before sin entered the world. So good, uh, there's nothing wrong in work in itself. It's sin that has made work not so enjoyable not so fruitful. But God has not changed His design and mandate for us to work. And my own personal belief is in the new heaven and earth, we will be working too. <laughs> right? So worship services, don't get me wrong, they are important work. And this is what we sacrifice to God. This is our work unto God when we participate in the liturgy of the church. I'm thankful also to everyone who has been serving. This is our work unto the Lord. At Friends at Hub, however, we are intentionally keeping the format simpler, much simpler, so that it doesn't have this sense of work, work, but trying to develop an atmosphere of friendship. If you've been there, it's really an atmosphere of friendship where we develop friendship with God and friendship with each other. So it's not just passively one way receiving, but there are conversations, we pray with each other. So that's another way you can learn to grow in friendship with God. Finally, we have cell groups. 
or in the old Methodist term, class meetings. <clears throat> Understood correctly, cell groups are simply the coming together, the gathering of spiritual friends. That's the essential nature of class meetings or cell groups. It's the coming together, not just of friends, but spiritual friends, where we focus on what's spiritual, you know, our inner lives, what we're doing for God, so and so forth. <clears throat> the concept of friends and help, as someone has told me and I've rightly observed, is essentially like a mega cell group, <laughs> where there are more people involved, but that's it's all the proper functioning cell group elements. We have worship, where we become aware of God's presence. We do that in our cell group as well. We gather around the Word, where we hear God's Word, and we learn how to obey the Word of God. We keep each other accountable right, to hearing the Word of God in a cell group. We can go deep and share, have we really applied the truths of God? What's stopping us, so and so forth? We share what the Lord has spoken to us. What has the Lord challenged us or comforted us? And then finally, we end in our cell group times by praying with each other so that we can continue to walk in the ways of God. Pray for each other, pray for the church, pray for the world as the Spirit of God reveals His heart to us. And so cell group is our most common platform where all of us can cultivate friendship with God. I began by saying we all need friends. Thank God we have a friend in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Thank God also for spiritual friends, many of our cell members, fellow followers of the way. We're walking in God's way together. But God is also looking for intimate friends. Intimate friends He can confide in. And let's learn to cultivate friendship with God by walking in His ways, doing His will, and keeping His watch. Come, let us pray. Let's take some time to just be silent. The scripture says, Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am the Lord. And know that God is the Lord. here in this silence, we don't just want to tell God what we want or need. Let's learn to hold back on that. We ask the Lord, Lord, what's on your heart? And so, Lord, we pray once again, you help us as your people to grow in friendship with you. Quieten our hearts. Stir us, draw us to grow in friendship with you. We thank you, Lord, you hear our prayers and you are always with us, even in our darkest valleys. 
We thank you, truly Jesus, you are our friend. Help us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to be the kind of friend like Moses and Abraham were. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.